Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm your host, Pastor Brad Gray. I serve as the senior pastor of Stoning Baptist Church right here in Paxanus, Pennsylvania, and I'm so glad that you could play on this episode. I know it has been a minute since I was able to record uh, a podcast um, on this feed. Uh, it's been a little bit longer of a reprieve or a break, whatever you want to term it there, uh, than I had originally intended. But, you know, uh, that's sometimes how life goes, I suppose. <laughs> a lot has uh, happened over the last several months uh, just with uh, various things uh, in my life regarding uh, uh, um, ministry and seminary classes. I released a book, all that kind of stuff. Things are still uh, plugging away. I'm so happy to be serving where I'm serving, so happy to to be um, in the spot that I'm in. God has been truly, uh, truly good, truly gracious, and uh, I, I feel incredibly uh, blessed to uh, just see and, and reflect upon where He has me. But um, I'm thankful to uh, have this opportunity again uh, to uh, talk with you, to share just some thoughts and insights. And uh, this particular episode today is especially beneficial, at least I pray that it will be. Uh, I couldn't think of a better way to segue back into hopefully, prayerfully, a more regular um, podcast feed schedule, if you will, uh, then by having uh, Brother Pastor Chris Estep uh, come on the podcast. He uh, pastors Barberville Baptist Church in Waynesville, North Carolina. Uh, we met uh, several years ago. Uh, we have some mutual friends uh, at Beacon Baptist Church, among whom, of course, is Dr. Jim Blaylock. Shout out to him. Uh, we both feel incredibly grateful doc- for Dr. Blaylock's mentorship on each of us in uh, in distinct ways, but in, 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 ironically enough, we both, uh, both Chris and I, have the same passion for preaching and for preaching the Word especially in the local church. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today, Uh, just talking about preaching, talking about the importance of going through the Bible in an expositional format, and why that's so important, why that's so significant for the church of today. Uh, I hope you'll be blessed by this conversation. It was a blast to record, and it was a blessing to think through some of these topics, and I pray that it is a blessing to you as well. And I pray that you find this incredibly uplifting. Uh, as always, uh, thank you for your subscriptions, for your likes and your comments. Uh, make sure to do that. Share this episode if you think that uh, a friend or someone in your life could benefit from it as well. So uh, without further ado, we'll get to this conversation between myself and Brother Chris Estep. Do you like coffee? I know that you do, and that's why I want to tell you about Fresh Roasted Coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances. Fresh Roasted Coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door, meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability. That's what I like. I was introduced to Fresh Roasted Coffee soon after moving to central Pennsylvania, and I'm so happy I was because I think it's literally the best coffee out there. Their Blackbeard's Revenge blend is out of this world good. 
Whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or a pour-over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. So uh, let's just start here, uh, Chris. Just why don't you introduce yourself and just kind of where you are and uh, what uh, where you're serving, where, what God has you doing currently. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Chris Step. I'm serving at Barberville Baptist church in Waynesville, North Carolina. Uh, been here almost 13 years. Um, it was a revitalization work. Um, the church is almost a hundred years old. We'll celebrate a hundred years in, uh, 2025. Um, and had kind of grown to its peak in the 1970s. Um, they were running about you know, the estimates from all the stories I heard were probably around 450, 500 people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a ministry that was very centered around uh, music. Um, they had a huge uh, Southern gospel choir. Um, and you can actually see the, uh, they cut they like four or five record albums that are hanging on the wall over here behind me. Um, but it, that's really what it was centered around. The guy who was the pastor at that time, everybody loved him. He was a great pastor as far as like visitation and things like that. Um, but he didn't really like preaching. And so this, it was kind of all centered around the music. Uh, they had some splits. And so when I came in, in uh, 2011, it was about 40 people all in their 70s and 80s. And so by God's grace, he's allowed us to kind of walk through a revitalization process and, and uh, kind of turn the tide and start moving forward. And so now we've got still have some senior adults. But we've got lots of young families, lots of kids, college students. And, um, you know, my focus of, of what we're trying to do here is is just focus people on um, our, our kind of our I don't like always use the term vision statement or mission statement, but we kind of have three <laughs> objectives that we're doing. And it's higher in worship, deeper in community and farther in mission, um, you know, so centered around the word. Um, then the idea of, of a strong biblical community of kind of what you see in the book of Acts of being involved in people's lives and serving one another and then yeah. doing everything we can to to share the gospel. Um and and really with a what we've entitled a a multi-generational approach to ministry. Um and not talking so much about having multiple generations of people at the church at the same time which we want, you know, we want young people and old people, but thinking about that what we're doing is not just about the here and now. Um you know, I think sometimes as pastors we can get focused on we want to change this thing or do this thing because we want to see instant results. But we're trying to train our people to realize that the work that we're doing now, we may not see the fruit of for 10 years or for 20 years or for 40 years, Hmm. but we don't stop doing it, you know? So, and again, it's, it's kind of all centered around that aspect of, you know, kind of what we're going to talk about. It's just centered around the aspect of the, of the word. So whether that be in Sunday morning service through the preaching uh, or even in our Sunday school and small groups, um, you know, Everything that we try to do from the kids all the way to the senior adults is all focused on the on the word. Amen. And I think that's so important, too, because uh, censoring everything around the word, as as you sort of hinted at, is very much deriv- derived out of the book of Acts, which I've just come to just adore uh, studying the book of Acts just because everything was was driven by that simple message that, you know, Jesus is the Christ and he's the one that rose from the dead. And the, that simple message um, is, I, I love that phrase from chapter 17, that's the simple message that, you know, turns the world upside down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I love that. So what kind of, um, what 
what sort of led you to take on this sort of revitalization project with Barberville? What kind of led you to that? Um, how did you feel God was calling you into that sort of sphere of ministry, so to speak? Yeah, so I had previously been serving um, at a church as an associate pastor um, that had come to an end, uh, you know, kind of very clearly God kind of closed that door. And so at that point, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. Uh, I was really just kind of seeking the Lord. Um, I, I felt a desire because I, I did love preaching and I loved that aspect of things. And so I kind of felt the desire to be a pastor, a senior pastor, but I didn't want to just do it because I wanted to do it. I wanted the Lord to make that clear that that's what he wanted me to do. So the church that I currently serve at, there, uh, the, the pastor prior to me had been uh, diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and so he was retiring. So he had just kind of stepped out um, and because of that, and they had an older pastor um, who was in his 80s who was kind of filling in on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, and on Sunday mornings, they were getting students uh, from a local Bible college to come in and fill the pulpit. So they had, had been given my name since I was local, and so I came and filled in on a Sunday morning, and that was in September of 2010. And it was it was very obvious when that that first Sunday I visited here, the people were very nice. They were very hospitable. They were very welcoming. But it was very obvious that there was some really bad dynamics of things um, as far as you I mean, it was almost palatable. You could kind of see that there were some issues here. Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember telling my wife when we left that Sunday morning, it's like, you know, whoever comes to pastor this church is there's you know going to be some work ahead. <laughs> and so about four months went by and that older gentleman, uh, he actually fell and broke his hip. And so because, again, I was local, they called and said, hey, could you come fill in a Sunday morning, a Sunday night and a Wednesday night? And so that was in January of, of 2011. I came and did the Sunday morning, did the Sunday night. And that Sunday night, they asked me if I would uh, would serve as interim. And so that kind of started the process. Um, I just, the the second Sunday I was here, as I started my interim work, I just started preaching through the book of Mark. And they had never had uh, verse-by-verse preaching before. Um, mm. You know, it had always been kind of just, you know, different scriptures here and there. So it was something that was totally new to them. Um, and it was, it was, it wasn't a challenge, but it was, it was for a, for a few weeks, for the first few months, um, it was kind of a work for people to be like, you mean we're going to like, we're going to read every verse in the book of Mark and you're, we're not going <laughs> to pre- preach anywhere else until you're done. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the concept. Um, <laughs> but it, it really started, it really started to grow the people. And yeah. so there were, there were a lot of different dynamics of things that were happening behind the scene um, that really don't have time to get into, but there was, there was a kind of a group of people that wanted to lead the church one way. Um, and that's, they were kind of doing that during the time of, not having an official pastor. Um, but after about a year and a half, the search committee that was here had not brought any candidates before the church. They had not really kind of made any moves. And so the church itself, you know, finally were like, you know, basically like he's here. We like him. Why can't we just vote on him? <laughs> and so uh, they ended up voting me in as pastor. And we just kind of continued that process, you know, just verse by verse uh, through the Bible. And so after I finished Mark, um, I ended up going into first and second Timothy and Titus, you know, to kind of talk about what we see in the New Testament as a healthy church. And the one thing that 
was the biggest blessing of all during that period of time was that with that group of people that if even if they didn't understand something or if it was something that was new to them, if you could show it to them in the scripture and say, you know, I know you've never done it this way before, but the reason we're going to do this is because this is what the Bible says. They were pretty receptive to that. And so we were able to make changes pretty early on in, in my ministry that sometimes it takes guys a lot longer to do. Sure. Um, you know, so we were able to move. We changed the the bylaws, um, you know, from a more deacon-centered model to a plurality of elders um, about maybe three and a half, four years into my ministry here. Um, and then right after that, um, you know, we cleaned up our membership roles because the church had been around forever. You know, at that time we were running probably 45, 50 people and we had 769 people on the membership roll. <laughs> and so we, we cleaned all those things up and, and really never got any pushback, never had any, any problems with all of that. Um, and so just continued kind of pushing forward, you know, step by step along the way. And, but again, it's like when people ask, you know, how did you do what you did? It's like, I always just credit it back to that expository preaching aspect. Mm. I don't think that we would have ever been able to make the changes that we did if it hadn't been for the fact that we were just consistently focusing, okay, what does the scripture say? And what was, what was God trying to teach that person? How does that apply to us? And now how are we going to apply it to what we're doing in the, in, in our church? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it makes me think, um, it makes me think of that, like, you know, famous Luther quip where he says, you know, I did nothing, but the word did everything, you know, mm -hmm. or he's talking about the Reformation and everything. <laughs> he just sat around drinking Wittenberg beer while the word did everything else. <laughs> and, well, uh, I always tell people it was the Holy Spirit and my stupidity uh, that, that got us <laughs> where go. we are. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's such an interesting take, but and not necessarily take, but just a, a viewpoint and an outlook, because I think so often pastors, young pastors especially, get caught up with all these new models or systems or programs that they can implement, and this is going to lead the church in this direction or that, or lead to some sort of exponential growth or whatever. And really, I think you're right. It really just comes back, and not to sound reductive or simplistic, but it is the simple exposition of the word and trusting the spirit to do the work rather than your ingenuity, so to speak. And I, I think that's, I don't, at least in my experience, I feel like a lot of times pastors, preachers, we can get caught up with how ingenious our techniques are or our implementation of systems are when really uh, that's... We need to be organized, but really, it's this like like you said, it, uh, it's the spirit that does the work, and we're just kind of the ones yeah. that get to watch it happen despite us. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably the the most made the most clear, and I'm sure you've experienced this on those Sundays where you're in the pulpit and you start to preach, and the only thing you want to do is get done, right? <laughs> you know, you have those Sundays where it feels yeah. like you're you know up to your neck in quicksand, and it feels like you know, the preaching hour lasts, you know, for seven hours. I mean, I, I remember one Sunday, it's been a couple of years ago. It's like, I just, for some reason, and I don't know what it was. It was like the entire time I'm preaching, I'm like, this is horrible, right? This is the worst sermon I've ever preached. All I want to do is get to the end of my notes where I can sit down. And, you know, as I, I don't, I don't stand at the back of the church, you know, after the service is over, we just kind of hang out in the sanctuary, you know, we kind of all just kind of congregate around. And, 
probably more than any other Sunday, people came up to me and like, you know, that was a great sermon today. That was exactly what I needed to hear. And I'm like, <laughs> were, were you in the same room? You know, were, were we listening to the same sermon? But it's, it's one of those moments where that's it makes that so crystal clear that it's like, it's not us, yeah. but it's the Word of God and the Spirit of God doing the work in the people of God. And and that's, I believe, is is such an encouragement that you don't have to again, like I said, there's a, there's nothing wrong with making plans, and there's nothing wrong with with the process of of learning and developing yourself. But ultimately, if you just give yourself to the faithful study of the Word, and you stand in that pulpit and you say, God, you know, here's what I've done this week. You know what I've the the work that I put into studying. You know, use this however you see fit. Right? It's not so much about the the eloquence of the speaker, as it is the is is the spirit of God moving and working through that. That's right. And I think there's a lot of examples that you could point to to kind of evidence that. Of course, the the main one being Paul, where he talks about, you know, I didn't come to you with eloquent words of wisdom, uh, but I decided to preach nothing but Christ crucified. And I think that's that's the example. That's the model, I think, a lot um a lot of times we need to emulate. And I think this is a really um timely thing to talk about only because, uh, you know, just this past week, there's been all those uh, news stories regarding certain churches preaching, uh, preaching, I should put in quotation marks, preaching about, you know, like the Super Mario Brothers movie and all like all this kind of sermon series that are revolved around uh, movies and entertainment and whatnot. And it just screams to me that we have um, in certain contexts and in certain areas, an extreme lack of biblical literacy. Um, and, 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 and not to sound overly dramatic, but it, it, it kind of makes my heart hurt a little bit just because it seems we're so distracted. And um, mm-hmm. can you just kind of talk about that and why that should be something that should alarm us when we see other churches kind of, and, and not to disparage other ministries, but just yeah. the, the sense of getting away from what ought to be primary, so to speak. Yeah. So, I, and in fact, we just, um, this past Sunday, we just finished up uh, you know, preaching through the book of Jude. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jude is, you know, supremely focused on on false teachers. And, you know, a lot of people would push back and say, well, you know, these people are still preaching, you know, they're still preaching Jesus, you know, they're not preaching heresy. But, But I really think it's like, if you really kind of narrow it down to its roots. A lot of these churches that are focused on these things, they're preaching a gospel, but all the times I'm not sure that it's actually the true gospel mm-hmm. um, because they're always very man-centered, you know, and 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 it's more to do with the the entertainment of the people that are there than it is with the with the exaltation of God. You know, and that's a, a few of the things that you kind of see scattered there throughout the book of Jude, you know, at the beginning, you know, he challenges them. He says, you know, I'm writing to you that you contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. You know, it's the job of of pastors, but it's also the job of Christians that we contend for the purity of the gospel. And the purity of the gospel is that we don't add anything to it or we don't take anything away from it. And so a lot of these churches, you know, what they're doing is they've come to a decision, whether it is they've logically made this decision or they've just kind of been pulled there is that the gospel is not enough, right? The Bible's not enough. You know, you've got mm-hmm. to add something to it. You know, you've got to dress it up. You've got to get people, you know, riled up or, or 
you know, do all these different sermon series, you know, or the, through the music or whatever to get people interested enough so that you can deliver a, a you know, a 15 or 20 minute homily on how <laughs> the Super Mario Brothers apply to the gospel. You know, we've got uh, a church here in our community. I, I passed by the other day and their current sermon series is the gospel according to Bluey. And <laughs> and, I, and I just I sit back and. I was talking to another pastor about it, you know, and, and the conclusion we came to is, is, you know, they think that they're being like really relevant and cool, but really all it is, is like to most people, they look at that and like, that's just silly, right? It's like you have, even at these larger churches, the people who are in the church like it because that's what they've been accustomed to, right? That's, that's what they've been ingrained with. But if you were to walk up to the average person, even somebody who's not a Christian, in their minds, they understand it's like you go to a church to learn about the Bible. Right. It's like you go to the church to learn about Jesus. So they would look at that and say, well, well, why are you doing a sermon series on Back to the Future? Why are you doing this? It's like that's that's not what church is for. Even <laughs> I think even lost people understand that. Um, and I really think there is a movement, though, and I don't know, maybe you've seen this in, in, in your context. But for us as a church, we don't we don't have anything, you know, fancy on Sunday mornings. It's like we don't have. You know, we don't have a cool looking sanctuary. We don't have lights and smoke. You know, we sing exclusively congregational hymns. Um, you know, whoever preaches, whether it's myself or one of the or the other elder, you know, 45, 50 minute sermons. You know, our, our service on Sunday morning is usually an hour and a half. And it's it's music, scripture reading, catechisms and, and preaching. Um, but we're seeing more and more young people show up, you know, college age students, young families. And I think there is this change that's happening for some younger families and younger people that they've seen kind of what these churches are doing and they've gone there and they've tried it, but they realize that there's nothing, it's an emptiness mm-hmm. because there isn't a focus on the word. There isn't anything that they can walk home with besides just saying, oh, that was kind of funny, you know, to, to use the example that you gave. is like, oh, it's kind of funny to watch the pastor be transformed into a Super Mario character, but how's <laughs> that going to help you, you know, when you lose your job? Right. It's yeah. like, how's that going to help you when your wife's diagnosed with cancer? You know, how's that going to help you when things fall apart? It's like the only hope that we have is not in in movies. The hope that we have is found in the scripture. And if you're not giving people that constant diet of the word of God, you're just basically leaving them to the wolves because they have nothing to cling to when those when those moments come along. Mm, that's right. It, it leaves people without a mooring without something substantial. And it reminds me of Ephesians 4, where he's talking about you're going to be in, you're going to end up tossed about with every wind of doctrine if you mm-hmm. don't have if you don't have Christ. And you know, we sing about that, you know, Christ the solid rock, but I think sometimes we don't think about what that image is supposed to really convey to us. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that only because. Christ is the Word. The Word is Christ. Therefore, the Word is our solid rock. And the only way that we will be made to be solid and have solid footing is when we are growing—I think he says that in Ephesians 4, that we're growing up into Christ, Mm -hmm. and that's where our solid foundation lies, and and nowhere else can we find that. And I think you can see that everywhere. Like, people are— getting distracted by this, that, and the other thing, and we're going off into here, there, and the other, you know, um, sermon series or talk or whatever, and, and 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 leaves us with nothing but substance. It actually reminds me of what the prophet Amos says, where he's talking about how there's going to be a famine, but not of food or water. There's going to be a famine of the word. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I think you can kind of see that um, in the modern church context, that there's a famine of the word, that we don't really know what our Bibles say. And mm-hmm. um, I think what that leads to then is not only it kind of leads to what we see, you know, preaching about Back to the Future or whatever, <laughs> but I think it also leads to just people being m- mistaken about what the Bible actually says. You know, maybe you've heard this before in some certain contexts, but like I've heard it like where people will say, um, doesn't the Bible say, you know, God helps those who help themselves? Well, that's downstream out of biblical illiteracy, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. I just saw a video that crossed across one of my social media feeds the other day, and it was a youth group um, at you know, and I, I, the church wasn't familiar to me, but you could tell it was a, you know, larger kind of, uh, you know, more seeker sensitive kind of church. Um, and so the, the youth group was going around asking different people, um, you know, different leaders and stuff in the church, these questions, you know, volunteers and stuff like that. And, you know, so they were asking very, very simple Bible questions, but almost no one could answer them. And, and I was just sitting there going, it's like, man, it's like, this is, and they, they thought, I man, they were all just kind of laughing it off, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you shouldn't ask me that one, you know, ha ha. And I was like, this is really sad, you know, that, I mean, these are adults and these are some of the, you know, volunteer leaders or whatever they may be. And, but it's like, they, they couldn't even answer some of the most basic Bible questions. And there is this, this loss, I think, because, Culture teaches us that you know people's attention spans are shorter, so you know you have to shorten your sermons down. You know, so but, and I understand that some of that comes from the idea of social media. But these people will still go sit in a movie theater and watch, you know, the Barbie movie or Oppenheimer or whatever it is, and they'll sit there for an hour and a half, two and a half, three hours to watch a movie. So it's not that their attention spans are shorter; it's just that you've got to be delivering something to them to captivate their attention. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you feed them the Word of God where that's what they hunger for, then they're going to sit there and listen to it. That's right. You know, we, we have, you know, we, our kids stay in church on Sunday morning. Um, you know, we don't have children's church or anything like that. And, you know, so even some of our youngest kids, it's like they come up after service and, you know, ask questions about certain things. They're listening and paying attention. And, but even our Sunday school class for the kids, we use, um, uh, John MacArthur's church. Grace has a curriculum called generations of grace and basically, that's what it is. It's a it's a Bible study curriculum that goes from Genesis to Revelation uh, over a period of three years. Mm-hmm. And so it goes through the entire Bible in a three-year cycle. So if the kids start in kindergarten, by the time they leave the kids' kind of classes and go into the more youth-oriented classes, they've gone through the entire Bible three times. And mm-hmm. after about the first, I guess— after about four or five years that we'd been doing that and they had kind of gone through that whole cycle one time, the amount of biblical growth that I saw in our young people was was tremendous. I'd put some of our, you know, eight, nine and 10 year olds against uh, some adults that I know as far as their knowledge <laughs> of the scripture. Um, you know, but again, it's just that being saturated in the word. Right. It's like if you want somebody to grow in the scriptures, you have to get them in the scriptures. Hmm, and and right. sad enough to say is that a lot of times you know, you're not going to be with them through the week, right? You don't know if they're reading their Bible every day. So you have them for that that one moment on Sunday morning. And 
if you're not giving them the Bible during that one portion on Sunday morning, some of them may not be getting it at all. Mm, right? So it's yeah. like you got to take advantage of that. You know, don't don't spend it all doing anything else. It's like spend that time in the Word. So you were talking about uh, even your kids being fed the Word, and I think that that's an interesting paradigm to explore. And I think that only because I think sometimes people are fearful of the idea of quote-unquote expository preaching because they fear it's going to be boring and they fear it's going to put their people to sleep. And like you said, um, they feel or they fear as if that's not going to keep or capture people's attention. And I think maybe there's some more to that. Maybe you can, you know, spice up your expository delivery. But regardless, I think the content is what's important, which is just to say that what you feed your people is what they will grow accustomed to digest, if I can put it that way. So yeah. feeding your people a steady diet of the word, eventually, if you're faithful, and I think, you know, prayerfully with the Spirit's ministry of that word, your people will come to grow to desire that more than anything else. And I think yeah. I think you would perhaps be able to testify to that very clearly with what God's done at Barberville, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and again, that's like, you know, like I shared earlier, you know, when I first came here, they had never had that before. And so it was kind of, you know, it was it was foreign to them at first. But then the longer it went on, they became accustomed to it, you know, and and they began to see not only the importance of studying, you know, a, a, a book of the Bible verse by verse um, in the context of just understanding it better, but really the, one of the things I think is the most beautiful thing about expository preaching is that because God knows what's going to happen in the future and we don't. And so, and what I mean by that is I have seen on numerous occasions where, you know, we're just moving each week through a verse in, in whatever book we're studying and something will happen in the world. Something will happen in our church. Something will happen, uh, you know, in, in a, in a family in the church. And that next Sunday, the scripture will speak so crystal clear to that moment mm -hmm. and so much so that we could have never even planned it. Um, yeah. But but God knew what was going to happen, when it was going to happen, and he had been guiding it every step along the way. And and then there's also those moments where difficult things are happening. I and mean, we've had a moment or a couple of moments in our church where some challenging things were happening in the church. And I would look at the sermon coming up for the next Sunday, and I'm like, Lord, if I preach this, <laughs> people are, people are going to think that I'm talking about them. And it's like, but I didn't plan it, right? It was God's plan and purpose. And so people began to see how the Word of God is, is applicable to their daily lives um, through that expository preaching, um, because each week you see that continual growth. You know, it's, it's easy when you're doing a sermon series, like if you're just doing a sermon series and say, hey, we're going to do six weeks on, you know, building a better family or, you know, letting God have control of your pocketbook. Not saying that those things can't be beneficial, but when you're just kind of pulling text from here and there, people miss the greater context of Scripture. And and I think missing that greater context causes them to struggle when they're living out their daily life and different things happen yeah. of how to reconcile that with the Word of God. Right. Whereas if you're going through it week by week, you kind of see that thread of how God's working and operating so that then when those things happen, 
you can be like, oh, yeah, well, I remember in the beginning, you know, of of the book of, uh, you know, the book of Philippians, Paul talked about this. And then at the end, he also talked about this and how those all things those tie together, you know, because when all of these letters and things were, especially, you know, in the New Testament, you know, these were letters that were written to the churches and they were meant to be read in their entirety to, in order to set a context of what God was trying to teach his people. Hmm. And so the way that that's most effective for people today is to still get that entire context and not just a piece here or there along the way. That's right. I I, I just read, actually, I just finished uh, a little book called um, What is Biblical Theology by James and Hamilton Jr. And uh, it's a concise little thing that kind of introduces the idea of biblical theology. And he talks about exactly what you just mentioned, which is the idea that in his view, like biblical theology is this idea of understanding or expressing what you just said, the, the long overarching thrust of Scripture, which is the one thread that kind of ties us back to Christ. And I think what's so helpful about that is that it immerses the church and those within it, specifically kind of where they fit within that story. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of times if you're feeling disillusioned or you're feeling lost and you're not really sure where you fit within the story of Scripture, well, go back to expository preaching. Go back to methodically expositing a certain text and a series of texts, because then you're going to be situated within the grander, broader view of history that God has providentially orchestrated from before the foundations of the world. And I think what more marvelous thing than to understand what our place is and what God has, you know, determined to reveal about himself and about us. And um, that's, I don't know, it, maybe you can think of more benefits, but that's one of the uh, uh, mar- one of the most marvelous benefits I've, I've found, um, at least in my practice of, of preaching expositorily. Yeah. I mean, I think helping people to see, like you said, where they fit in with that is so helpful because I think there's a struggle for a lot of people, you know, who, who have maybe not been fed a steady diet of the word to question and say, you know, well, what, what do I do? Right. It's yep. like, I, I understand what a pastor does, or I understand what this person does, you know, but what do I do? You know, mm-hmm. and, and helping people see it's like that, you know, as pastors, you know, we're, we're set aside to a special work to, to preach the gospel, you know, on Sunday mornings, but the scripture is not just focused on pastors. The scripture is focused on all of us as believers and so helping people to see that, and it's like, well, listen, it's like these instructions are things that you can take. You may not be a pastor, but you can still take this instruction. You can still take this wisdom. You can still take this understanding, and you can apply it to whatever ministry context the Lord has you in. You know, so whether you're a, a plumber, an electrician, a school bus driver, or a stay-at-home mom, you, there's something in the Word every single time the Word is preached on Sunday morning. There's something there that you can take and apply to your life. Um, and I think helping people see that the Bible is a living book, right? You know, it's, it's not, you know, it's not Moby Dick. It's not, uh, you know, pride and prejudice. You know, it's not just something that you read and enjoy. There's something profoundly Mm. beautiful about how the scripture can speak to, you know, let's say in the context of a Sunday morning, you've got a hundred people there that when the word is preached, that God can speak to each person there through his word, no matter what happened to them on the way to church, no matter what happened to them last week, no matter what's going to happen to them tomorrow, he can speak in a profound way that ministers what is needed to their soul and will carry them through those moments. 
Mm-hmm. And and it's because it is a, you know, it's a living, it's a living, breathing book. I mean, it's God's spirit. I mean, the word of Jesus is is there on the pages for us to hear and and helping people understand that, again, it's not just reading words on a page, but it is God speaking to them. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard I heard one time. And I don't, I don't remember who said it originally, you know, but you oftentimes hear people talk about it. So, you know, I want God to speak to me. He's like, you know, I want to hear, <laughs> I want to hear God speak to me. And then he's like, well, then open your Bible and read it out loud. You know? so, <laughs> yeah. And God is speaking to you. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> and and but I think, I mean, and it sounds, it sounds silly and, you know, we kind of laugh at it, but it really is. I think a lot of people miss that yep. idea. It's like, this literally is the very words of God. He's, yes. he's speaking to you. Yes. And so if you want to know the answers, you've got to know the word. And that's yes. that's really as simple as it is. If you want to know what God wants to you to do, then then read it because he's going to tell you. <laughs> that's right. And I also think what you touched on, I have found so incredibly poignant, which is just the fact that we. How do I want to wear this? Basically, when you're just going through a text of scripture, perhaps some people might moan if you're like, man, we're going to be in the middle of Second Kings. What are we doing in Second Kings? But actually, what happens is, is that the Spirit is the one who applies those words most predominantly to people's lives, not yeah. my ingenious points of application, which, yeah. um, you know, I've talked to a lot of other fellow pastors about this, and and, and I think there is I don't know. I I have I feel like there's a confusion regarding application only because I feel like we think it means, you know, applying it to, you know, areas of your life one through seven. Well, really, I think the application is just the word, and then the spirit does the true applying. Because yeah. again, you you know, you have a hundred people in your audience, you might have a hundred people uh or a hundred different scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't make a hundred different applications <laughs> or people yeah. might complain that your sermon's longer than, you know, 30 minutes. Um, yeah. and I think the point is the spirit is a way better applicator of the word than you are and than I am, than any preacher is. And I think that that's, that's to me, the humbling point of preaching expositionally is that you are trusting God's spirit to apply God's word to God's people apart from yourself, um, mm. You're just declaring. You're just heralding. Um, at least that's what I found. <laughs> and, and I agree. You know, and I think the one of the dangers that comes from that can be an application is if we're not careful, we can tend to try to apply to other people maybe what the scripture or what the spirit or what God's spirit showed us in particular. But then also there's this inherent danger because as, as pastors we are humans that we can try to look at our congregations like, oh, well, so-and-so needs to hear this, right? So I'm <laughs> going to make this point of application and try to direct yeah. it at that person. Yeah. And I, I'm very much kind of in the same realm as you. Is I, I usually try to, at the end of my sermon, bring back the application of the of what the text is talking about. But not I usually don't always like have a specific point of saying, okay, here's what you need to do based on this. <laughs> um, I try to leave that to the Spirit you know, to guide into either each individual and how that's going to apply to them. Um, you know, so it's like, here's what the scripture has taught us today, you know, just kind of refresh that in, in their minds at the end of the sermon, you know, and, and I think to me, the way that I've seen it is like, you know, when you have, you know, a scripture that's talking about, you know, whether it be discipleship or, or discipline of self, uh, or evangelism, you know, my prayer at the end is like, you know, here's what the scripture has told us, you know, may God grant us 
the the strength, the ability, the willingness, the courage to do what he's asked us to do. Yeah, and exactly. and just kind of bringing it in like that, because as you said, you you can't address and apply that to every single person in the congregation, um, but the Spirit can. And yes. so there's there's such an element of relying upon the Spirit in preaching um, that as pastors, I think sometimes we tend to forget because, yeah. you know, we do spend the hours in the study. We do spend all this work. And, you know, I, I think any good pastor, you know, even throughout his ministry tries to grow in his preaching ability, you know, and, and in his continual study and the way he, you know, the way he preaches, there's always trying to be a continual. It's, it's a growth. It's a work. Um, and so we can oftentimes become dependent on, oh, well, I can do this well. You know, yeah. I can I can do this thing. Um, and so but just relying on the spirit, it's like this is God's work. You know, it's his word. It's his right. work. And we've got to let him do what uh, what he wants to do. That's right. And I, I think that, we're, like you said, it kind of requires um, a good dose of humility on the pastor's part, because like you said, we're the ones that are spending some of those grueling hours um in the study examining a particular text of scripture but actually the one who ultimately does and will get the glory of course is god himself through his spirit and i think i've tried to really uh, just bring that before my folks here in pennsylvania is just that that very fact that you know as <laughs> as skilled as god has perhaps as as gifted as god has perhaps you know um made me in terms of 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 being a preacher, he's the ultimate one that is going to uh, to make this word effective, and mm-hmm. uh, he's the one that's going to ultimately bring this word home to you, um, way more, way better than I could ever imagine. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think a good example of that is uh, you know Jonathan Edwards, you know, mm-hmm. with uh, "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God," you mm-hmm. know, he had he had preached that message multiple times before. Uh, the one that's the most famous and, you know, had preached it and, and nothing really had happened. And, you know, that final time that he preached it there, um, you know, there was this, you know, it was different. Right. And, in and it wasn't bothered because of his preaching style, you know, by all historical accounts, he was, you know, he couldn't read anything. Uh, he was, uh, what near what farsighted you know, so he was holding the sermon up in front of his face and preaching in a monotone voice, but God moved. And, you know, the spirit of God moved in a, in a powerful way. And it wasn't because it was something new or something that he devised or, or planned on. It was just that faithful proclamation of the word and, and trusting the spirit to do its work. That's right. Um, and and I think that's where there's again, there's that perspective of expository preaching is trusting the Lord to do exactly what he promised he's going to do. You know, his, you know, the scripture says that his word will not return void. And, and we don't always, we don't always see it, right? There, there no. are Sundays that go by and you feel like, man, it's like, you know, I got up there and I preached my guts out this morning. You know, what, what happened? And it's like, <laughs> well, you don't know, you know, it's like, you don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we do a lot of, we do a lot of uh, evangelism and we do street preaching and stuff like that. And I've had those moments like where I've been out, and and sharing the gospel and, and talking to people and you know at the end of the day you just you kind of say okay well I, you know I did it and one of those moments where I really the Lord kind of really brought that to my mind was I had been um, there's a uh, North Carolina uh, University campus called Western Carolina about 45 minutes from here it's one of 
one of the larger campuses here in, in North Carolina in that university system. And so I was over there one day and was preaching on campus and was talking to people. And, and this young man came up and and he was he was a professing Christian. Um, you know, he had been raised in church. But the longer we talked, the more it was it was very obvious that he wasn't genuinely Christian because, you know, he he pretty much professed that he didn't read his Bible, didn't pray, didn't go to church, really had no concern of the things of God. And it was pretty much living in, in willful sin. And so I just challenged him. I said, you know, hey, I said, you know, go home and and read First uh, John. I said, and allow, you know, the word of God to, to tell you what, what I'm kind of telling you right now. And totally forgot about it. And almost a year later, I get this random message on Facebook one day. And it's that young man. And so he told me, he said, you know, after we talked on the campus that day, he said, I went to the McDonald's and I sat down and read First John. He said, and and the Lord saved me in in the hmm. in the McDonald's, wow. and so he had gotten plugged back into church and was serving his church faithfully. But again, it's just one of those reminders. It's like our our job and objective is not in our own strength to make people or to shape people or even to save people. That's right. Our job is just to faithfully deliver the word of God and let the Spirit do the work. That's right. That is so true, and it reminds me of what. Um, Zach S. Wine in his book, The Imperfect Pastor, kind of relays. I don't have you ever read that book before? <laughs> yeah. Um, it might be time for me to do a reread on it. But uh, anyways, regardless, S. Wine in that book, he says something to the effect of that, like, you, pastor, are not called to be the Holy Spirit for your people. Um, you're not called to be everywhere in all places at all times for the people that God has called you to. And I think that that is something that I, I know it speaks to me because there's like this implicit idea that that is what we're called to but actually it's not like what you just said is just faithfully declaring we're we're the town crier we're just like you know this news like like a, a divine beat reporter here's mm-hmm. the news here's what i have to say and this is and what happens in the aftermath is and what happens in the aftermath of that declaration is ultimately not up to you, not up to your ingenuity, not up to your eloquence. It's really only up to the spirit applying the spirit, bringing that word and making it effective and powerful in people's hearts and lives. And I think, man, what a, I, I just can't get over that. Like what a humbling, what a humbling way that God has chosen to, to bring his gospel into this world. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. I was just, I was talking to our people yesterday in my sermon, you know, about that. And it's thinking, you think about it, it's like God, God could do however he could operate and, and choose to take the gospel to the world however he wanted to. Hmm. But if for some reason in his divine providence, he has chosen to use his people to do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah and, and what, what a greater privilege and blessing that is, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where if somebody, you know, if if the president called somebody up and said, hey, I want you to be my ambassador, you know, to this meeting or to this foreign country, you know, people would be like, oh, wow. It's like, you know, I, I, the, the president of the United States has chosen me, you know, to take, you know, this message to this foreign embassy or to this country. You know, what what a what a what a privilege. Right. It's like, but the God of all the universe who created everything out of nothing, you know, who who sent his son to the world to die for our sins has given us an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And he's given us a command to be his ambassadors to the world. There's nothing greater than that. Right. And but oftentimes I think we 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 just don't see the glory 
and and the honor in what God has called us to do. Mm. Uh, because it's like there's there's nothing greater that we could do on the face of this earth than to be the messengers of the gospel that God's called us to be. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, ambassadors, as Paul calls us in Second Corinthians 5. And uh, what a marvel. Um, or I, I was even thinking about First Corinthians 1, where he's talking about the foolish uh, foolishness of the world, shaming the wise. And um, I just, yeah, it's just kind of a, a staggering thought that that's how God has chosen to get his gospel out there. So when you're approaching a passage. Uh, you just went through Jude. Um, I am approaching in the weeks to come a series through the book of Jonah. And so like when you're approaching a passage, like what is, what are some practical things that you do um, as a pastor when you're breaking down a section or a couple of verses or be what whatever that be, what are some practical things that you would want to want people to know to keep in mind, especially if you're thinking about, you know, biblical theology, keeping Christ at the forefront of what your exposition is driving towards. What are some things that you that you try to do from a practical standpoint? Um, you know, so we we try and and so kind of the root, like the way we've been doing our our sermon series over the past several years is we kind of go um do a New Testament book, and then we'll kind of go to the Old Testament. So we've kind of been going back and forth that way, um, just to kind of give people a broader picture of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if 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 we can, sometimes we kind of try to tie some of those together. So, um, you know, if we're preaching through a New Testament book, and there is a lot of reference in that book to a certain Old Testament book, then sometimes that's the book we'll do next um, so that we kind of tie those two things together. And again, it helps people to see that continual thread through the scriptures, right? That these aren't isolated um, books, but all of these are telling this cohesive story, you know, throughout the entirety of all that time, these things are kind of working their way together. Um, But now when it comes down to like the specific book, you know, we usually... Uh, you know, uh, several weeks out before I get to the the next series, I'm kind of already kind of preparing my mind of where we're going. So reading through that book, um, you know, looking for, uh, you know, so whether you're looking at a, an epistle or a gospel or, or a narrative or whatever it may be, kind of reading through it and kind of already in the beginning stages, kind of seeing where those natural breaking points are, um, you know, so that I can kind of get in my mind, you know, how long we're going to be in this book. Um, but then also too. To kind of see what particular things in in each book and each chapter, and then even in the, in the grouping of verses, kind of the overarching um, theme of those things are. Um, so that kind of helps me know, you know, as I'm preparing. Okay, this is kind of the theme of this set of verses. This is kind of what we're going to be talking about as we look at that. Even before I dive into the like the the actual study of that of that set of verses. Um, but having again, the whole context of the book in mind so that, you know, that if you're addressing something in, in chapter two, that the author brings back up in, in chapter seven, you kind of have that, that leeway to know, okay, well, you know, he's going to bring this back up here. Um, and, and so that, you know, that if you don't get everything in, you want on that particular topic there, you can, you can bring it back up again when you get to yeah. it later on. Um, yeah. and now as far as my, my sermon prep, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of very, uh, I'm very old school in the way that I do my sermon prep. Um, I'm, I'm very much a, a physical, like hands-on kind of thing. Like I've tried using Bible study software and I just, 
I can't do it. It, it's, yeah. there's just a disconnect there for me. Um, <laughs> and so I actually, and I stole this from, uh, from Steve Lawson. Um, I actually, you know, on Monday morning, I copy all my books that I'm going to study that week, um, uh, on the copier so that I can take them with me, you know, cause I'm usually here in the office several days, but then I'm other places at home. So I copy all that stuff and take it with me. Um, you know, and so I just kind of, I do, I kind of always read my commentaries in a certain order, you know, kind of starting with kind of very generic kind of lay level kind of stuff. And I read those first just to kind of give a broad overview. Um, if it's a particular text I've never preached before or something I haven't looked at. Um, and then I try to get my, my mind set on what I see in the text. I write those things out and then I'll start kind of getting deeper in as far as into the scholarly kind of commentaries and resources and doing that to make sure that what I've seen in the text is what others have seen in the text, sure. you know, because that's that's one of the things you want to see, because sometimes you can read a text that you've read you know, a lot before and you're like, well, I've never seen that before. And so you write that down. And then when several other guys have seen that, too, you're like, OK, I'm confident that this is a, uh, a good exposition of the text. <laughs> the danger is, is when you see something and it's like nobody else has ever said, like, yeah, you just need to scratch that one and take it off the list, you know, because <laughs> you're not going to be the first one to discover something after the history of the church. Um, <laughs> but I write out all my sermons. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very much I, I write. I've, I've kind of bounced back and forth between doing a full manuscript and doing um uh, like a kind of a speaker's outline. Um, and, and it kind of really just depends upon the text um, and kind of where I am comfort level wise in some of those things. Um, like this past Sunday um, at the end of Jude there, it was pretty much kind of just a speaker's outline that had the main points and then basically just a word that I knew would trigger a thought in my mind to then expound upon. Mm-hmm. Um, but there has been times where it was a more complex scripture where I wanted to be really specific in some of the things that I said. So I would, you know, write those things out verbatim um, sure. and take those into the pulpit with me. So, yeah. It, and I think that's a really good thing to note. Just not every text works the same way to have the same sort of sermon style or, or sermon sort of prep work going into it. Each text is kind of different. I I've even, noted that like you know the the old baptist way is you know get your three points and get out of there so to speak and that not every sermon i've come across is able to be divided into you know a little acrostic of three sermons three sermon outline points or whatever yeah um and i think it just really depends um but i also think that it's helpful to what i've striven to do is like keep big scenes together so mm-hmm. like don't don't over you know over over divide a particular portion of scripture because then i think you kind of veer into that you know really just like proof texting or getting too almost too granular with things without again keeping big pictures in view big broad um ideas in view because i think one of the more helpful things is just remembering you know like there were no verse numbers or chapter headings when these yeah. guys were writing the Bible, obviously, uh, they were just writing a letter um, to a church or they were writing a book that was meant to be consumed in a way that was leading to a certain point. And, and um, mm-hmm. I think that's such a, that's a helpful thing to to keep in the back of your mind whenever you're approaching a scripture. Yeah, and I, I think one of the dangers of um, of expository preaching, if we're not careful, is that we can, we can turn a, a preaching moment into a, a seminary lecture, 
right? And <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, so then there's a careful line there. Um, and and uh, the thing that I've had to remind myself sometimes is like, you don't have to pull every bit of meat off the bone in every sermon, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay to leave a little bit of stuff there, you know, either for your own people to dig into, or perhaps sometime you can come back to, um, right. because there are certain passages of scripture, you know, that you could, I mean, you could exegete and talk about every single word in the verse, right? but that's not going to be helpful for your people on Sunday morning. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like you said, it's like that, that broad picture. It's like, what is the, the overarching theme? There, there are times where you kind of narrow that down a little bit. Um, but again, remembering that it's like, we're not in, in a seminary classroom where we're in a <laughs> church service on Sunday morning, you that's know, right. so giving people the, the meat of the word, but again, also feeding them in a fashion that you're not going to choke them to death. You know, it's like there's <laughs> yeah. I think there's a careful there's a careful balance that has to be weighed out there. I think that's a really good point, Chris, just because I think sometimes expository guys can get so excited um, about their expository style or the things that they're reading and studying and learning and grasping. And then that you're right, that we can almost overload a sermon with too much content. And I think that's where it comes back to, I, I, I think experience has a lot to do with that. And, yeah. and, you know, after a while, you'll kind of get, you know, into a groove, so to speak, in terms of what, what your folks are able to handle, but also what is necessary. Cause I think that's the big thing. What's, what's the big necessary point in each little text of scripture? Well, I think there will always be one, um, and there's, you know, maybe seven odd other ones you could make, but what's the, what's the big primary one that you can focus on and, and herald to your people? And I think that's, mm-hmm. I, I think that comes with time that comes with a little bit of learning and maybe sometimes learning by bad experiences too. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And it, again, it's, you made a good point there with understanding your people, um, you know, mm-hmm. is that as time goes by, the longer you've been at a church, you know, you, you learn your people and as a pastor, you learn their lives, right? It's like, so you know the things that people are walking through and you, and, and as best you can, you kind of know where their spiritual maturity level is. And, you know, so you're kind of giving to them the amount of meat that they think it can handle. Um, Mm. Whereas it might not be the same if it were a different context, you know? So after having been here for 12 years, like I, I kind of know at least for the majority of my people, kind of where they are spiritually. And so like when we and I preach on Sunday morning, because I, I have preached, I, I kind of take, um, and this is attributed to Spurgeon, whether he said it or not, I don't know. But, um, you know, that you never preach anything old at home and, and anything new on the road. You know, so he would say, you know, he never kind of repeated his sermons at, at the tabernacle. But if he was going to go preach somewhere else, he just took something he had preached before. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I have re-preached sermons at different places I've been invited to um, that I preached at Barberville. But I usually I don't just take that outline and throw it in my Bible and get up and do it the same way. Um, I always kind of think about, OK, where am I going? What do I know about? the the environment in the audience of who I'm preaching to. And so I usually try to tailor that. Um, And sometimes I do cut some things out that, that are good, but are more tailored to my people and kind of where I know they are spiritually Hmm. that I think would, would not be beneficial for the audience that I might be preaching at that time. Sure. I think that's probably the most underrated art of sermon prep is cutting stuff out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think it takes a while to learn what to what to cut. Uh, if you're talking to 
a person who's interested in learning more about expositional preaching or maybe specifically biblical theology as sort of a study, where what would you point them to? What sort of resources would you want them to to know about or to really bookmark if 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 you could? Um, you know, I, I think of a couple of books um, that I think are really helpful. Um, one book that I think shaped my perspective of, of ministry and preaching and, and really everything was um, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God um, mm. by, by J.I. Packer. Um, that book, perhaps more than any book I've ever read, you know, brings to light the fact that whatever we do, whether it's preaching or evangelism, is not about us. You know, and it's it's solely up to the sovereignty of God. And so it's there's this there's this weight that's kind of lifted off of us as pastors, you know, when we kind of come to that realization. So I would recommend that one. Um, you know, Spurgeon's uh, lectures to my students, I think, is a really good one of, of practical wisdom when it comes to um, mm. to pastoral ministry. Um, uh, also, uh, Lloyd Jones preaching and preaching uh, preaching and preachers. I'm kind of looking at my at my uh, I've got a couple of bookshelves over here of, of preaching books. I'm kind of looking at the ones that I remember that have kind of been the highlights for me. Um, you know, and I think the other thing, too, is is not not graduating from Bible college or seminary and and thinking, OK, I've learned everything I need to know about preaching, you know, is <laughs> yeah. that there should be that constant growth. Um, you know, and I mentioned um, Dr. Lawson earlier. Um, you know, he he has a um, uh, they do what they call institutes for expository preaching. They kind of do them across the country. It's just like a three day thing. Um, I would recommend, you know, guys go into those because um, they're really super helpful. Um, you can actually watch, you know, he teaches at the uh, uh, at the master seminary. He does their their demon in expository preaching. And on YouTube, they have. um I don't know. There's probably at least 25 hours worth of lectures uh, on mm. preaching that you can watch for free on there. Um, and he kind of breaks down, you know, the the approach to expository preaching, you know, the necessity and the need of expository preaching and then the practical ways of, of how to do that. Um, and I've recommended those videos to a lot of guys, um, you know, to watch because it's just really it's not fluffed up. I mean, it's just very practical wisdom and insight on how to you know, faithfully open up the word of God, um, you know, because that's as pastors, it's one of the most important things that we're called to do as pastors. You know, that's it's right. like we do minister to people. You know, we, we want to be there when they're sick. We want to be there when they're hurting and we come alongside of them and encourage them in the ways that we can. There is a pastoral side to, to, to ministry, obviously. But again, it's like the, 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 the bulk of what we are, are called to do as pastors is to exposit and to deliver the word. That's and right. so all we can do to grow in that is helpful. Um, you know, and I don't I don't listen. I don't I used to listen to a lot of preaching. Um, I, I find myself now I, I've found several guys that that I think are very faithful expositors. And so if I listen to preaching during the week, I kind of limit it to those guys um, just because I want to hear them walk through different texts and see how they expound those. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm getting ministered to because I'm hearing the preaching of the word of God, but oftentimes I'm listening to, it's like, okay, how did they approach this? Right. How did they, mm, yeah. um, how did they take this text apart? You know, how did they explain it? How did they present this? How did they bring it all back again into a natural conclusion? Um, you know, and just continuing to just, 
you know, even again at, at, um, at 12 years in here, kind of continued to develop my, my preaching and, and, uh, style and, and, uh, and development. Awesome. Well, praise the Lord, Chris, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to have you on and, uh, uh, I'm glad that we can just talk about preaching, and I think you had the good last word that, uh, you know, preachers, that's what we're called to do, and so we should be striving to glorify God in that in that regard. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you've been blessed by this episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I thank you so much for all your support, for all your encouragement. Uh, make sure to comment and subscribe and share if you can. Otherwise, I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings.